Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am, of course, your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long in the month of July, we are talking to leadership powerhouses. And my intent is to make sure that we can dive down and learn from people who have been there, done that, and learned some lessons along the way that they can share with us to be better leaders, especially as our changing economy and our changing landscape within the working world uh, really evolves around us every single day. And my guest today is Ira Wolf. Now, this is how he describes himself, and I love this. He says, I'm a millennial trapped in a baby boomer's body, <laughs> and he's the president of Poised for the Future Company. He's a founder of Success Performance Solutions. He's been a TEDx speaker, a top five global thought leader on future of work and HR in Thinkers 360, author of his book, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, and host of Geeks, Geezers, Googleization podcast, which was selected as one of the top 50 podcasts to listen to in 2021. Now, he's a frequent presenter at SHRM, and he's been in many different business conferences. He's a guest on over 50 podcasts every year, so getting him here means that we're at least in that top group. And his most re uh, recent book, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, is now in its second edition. So joining me today is Ira. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thanks so much, Michael. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to learning more about your book as well, because you are absolutely uh, spot on with understanding that recruiting is different today. Getting job placements today in uh, the era of Googleization is really important. I find that sometimes some younger people in my life, perhaps my son, I'm just going to give that out there, doesn't believe that some things can follow you. <laughs> <laughs> if you put it on Facebook, it's never going to harm your potential. But, uh, you know, we'll get into that topic, I'm sure. But, you know, Ira, I hit a couple of your highlights. Tell us a little bit more about you and your company and how you help people to shock their potential. Well, thanks. And as you mentioned, uh, I've been described also as a renaissance man because, again, not that I couldn't keep a job, but I've had a couple. <laughs> I've had a few careers, an interesting uh, a lot career. of opportunities. And, uh, you know, one of the that's one of those things. I mean, we, we grew up, in, I, I grew up in a time where people still got gold watches and um, they worked for a company for 30, 40, sometimes 50 years uh, yeah. in one career, uh, sometimes in one job, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and other times people grew, grew through that. They started in a front line and moved up to the C-level. The uh, but it certainly got a lot more complex. In fact, I just got off the phone a few minutes ago with somebody and they said, you know, one of my fears is that we're, if we hire this person, we're going to hire them for three to five, you know, at three to five years, they might get bored. And I just mm -hmm. sort of smiled. And I said, from an owner's perspective, that's terrifying that somebody mm -hmm. would only last three to five years. But if in those three to five years, and I've always looked at it this way, even going back 20 and 30 years, if they can bring value to your organization, Absolutely. if they can leave your organization when they leave, if your organization is in a better place, it's grown, it's more organized, whatever metric you want to use. 
yep. then that's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's expensive and it's hard to replace people, uh, which we can talk about. But ultimately is in today's world, it's three to five years is a long time. As we learned, you know, less than two years ago, yeah, uh, no how quickly the world can change. Yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right. I had a fun time when I um, was connecting with you on LinkedIn, because I was looking at your work history and a little bit, you know, I was really intrigued by everything, you know, all of a sudden you've got, you know, you're an adjunct professor, you're in, you know, working in dental practices, you're managing, you know, these huge multiple clinics and things. So it made me laugh because very similar, if you look at my background, that I was probably a three to five year person as well. And for me, not just because I would get bored, but because I got recruited, you know, so along the way, there were always, there was a period of my life, 15 year period of my life where I didn't seek out another job. It came knocking on my door. And, you know, to me, that was just, um, you know, kind of an enjoyable opportunity to do something new and knowing that I left pl the place I was before having been um, value driven and value adding and, you know, increasing sales or increasing whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I also know that people would sometimes look at that and go, you know, don't you stay anywhere? I'm like, well, yeah, if, <laughs> if I want to, but if something else better comes along, I'm always going to consider it. Right. So it's, it's so interesting. And there's two thoughts as, as you were telling your story there a little bit. You know, one is um, the book prior to recruiting in the age of Googleization, you'll see a theme here, was called Geek Skeezers in Googleization, which is now <laughs> rebranded as my podcast. Um, but I remember my, my daughter at the time went through the book. I had her read the book. She was a good copywriter, proofreader. Mm -hmm. And she got to the point where I talked about Gen X. And again, so this is 13, 14 years ago. So yeah. again, that we were talking about careers. And it was like, why would anybody stay in a career longer than five years? Now, at the time, she was working for a big pharma company. Oh, and yeah. within there is if you didn't change titles, move departments, you basically got unloaded. I mean, yeah. eventually a new manager came in and there was a new direction and you did not know the organization. You were not multi-skilled. You did not have an uh, experience in multiple aspects of the business. So from, you know, where companies complain that people had no loyalty, employees had no loyalty, and that they'd come for three to five years, but the companies trained people to be that way. So for the yeah, person yeah. says, I'm happy where I am. I don't want to become a supervisor. I don't want to become a manager. I don't want right. to learn these new things. I really love doing what I'm doing. You became expendable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, you know, part, part of that is it, it's so interesting, but the other hidden message there, and, and you might've gotten this too, uh, especially, you know, and again, I, I moved from one careers to, to different careers. And, and when I left dentistry, I, mean, I had a very, very successful practice. Uh, when I left, people go, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. And it was, I'm going to do exactly the same thing I did. <laughs> I built the business. I loved marketing. I loved working with people. I loved the strategy. I loved communications. I love the team building. Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to drill and fill. I yeah. mean, the, what I'm stopping is the production. Literally. <laughs> but I, and it's like, well, where did you learn that? Yeah. And well, I grew up, I joke, some of it's genetic because my entire family was in retail and marketing. But you, you learned it because I was interested and I was passionate, but I developed 
transferable skills, which is what the ultimate message is. And I think that's really important today because as fast as things change fast is people what used to go and get a degree. You got an education degree, you got a science degree, you got an accounting degree, you got a degree and that's what you, that was your, how you defined yourself. That's what you did in your entire life. Yet within that, there were all these transferable skills as, and I mentioned some of those, communicating with people, building teams, critical thinking. I don't think there's a list out there of what are the top skills that we're going to need in the next 10 to 20 years is critical thinking skills. I learned through science, I joke, I used to get paid a lot of money to do differential diagnosis. Somebody would come with a problem, have a pain, didn't show in the x-ray. So we had to figure out where the solution was, uh, where the source was, what could be causing that. And by doing so, I learned critical thinking skills, which became transferable. What do have people have problems with? We work helping people hire people. It's a critical thinking skill to say, eh, it's more than just personality. It's cognitive skills. Can they do the job? Can they get along with the people? And do they fit in the culture? Right. Because sometimes they work well in one, they share the same values as the culture, but they don't have the functional skills. Sometimes they have great functional skills, which is how usually people hire. So they have the experience and the degree, and then they don't get along with their teammates. They don't fit into the culture. They don't want to grow. They don't agree with the path. I think the things that people overlook um, that, that I, I didn't go to school to figure this out. You just learned by life experience is about having transferable skills. And then again, going back to there are no life career jobs and we can't treat people that way. Now, people who don't show up after a week, that's a different story. But if yeah. people can come in, if you can hire people and they can they contribute to what you've done and they leave your company in a better place, even as a frontline employer, if that position is in a better place than it was before, then that's the best you can ask for in today's yeah, I, in, in I the modern agree. world. I agree. And it's interesting. Um, I was just having a conversation last week with someone who, who has an employee who's in a sales position. And, you know, it's interesting that people whose jobs weren't affected or weren't eliminated, you know, during, you know, everything in a, you know, a year plus of lockdown of a pandemic, I think a lot of people just kind of, you know, hold in, you know, hold up. They were just like, okay, I'm just going to make it through this, make sure I survive. Mm -hmm. Then as the world opens up, the business starts to really open up again. Now people are in those positions taking a good long look at, is there the opportunity here that I want? Or, you know, what can I go after now? I think it's going to be a really interesting time to see people make conscientious choices to make new career moves, make bolder moves, you know, um, and really go after something because they want to not just have security of a job, but they really want to have something that feeds their passion. And so I, you know, I mean, there are good things coming out of this, but I think that's going to be a really interesting shift to see how many, maybe, um, higher pay scale kind of positions really do evolve or have a lot more turnover that may be really great for businesses because then you get new energy and you get new ideas and you get new, you know, not just new blood in your organizations, but you get people who have a different level of passion, not just somebody who's looking for a job. Well, so many companies were forced to reset and think about that. So there are some where they're just hoping we're going to rewind the clock and go back to normal and we're going to pick up where we did and, you know, January of 2020. And that's just, not, we, we know that's not going to happen. Yeah. But even prior to that, we were, you know, we were talking about jobs and again, from very reliable, I don't do the research, but you know, I study it all the time. 
very reliable research indicates that on average, two thirds of all jobs will be one third automated. And so you can say, okay, what's that one third of jobs that won't be automated that I don't have to change? I don't have to learn something new. I'm not very good with tech or I don't like math or, you know, I don't like working with people. I mean, all these things, uh, you know, what, what are all the reasons that interfere with that? And the reality is the one third of jobs that won't change are jobs that'll be eliminated. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because if they're not going to change, they're static. And if they're tedious, repetitive, I don't want to say tedious, but if they're repetitive tasks, they will be automated. So the reality is, is every single person on the planet, I don't care even whether it's retail, it's frontline, it's, you know, especially in production, but especially as you talked about the higher paying jobs, uh, the the likelihood that they're going to have a high degree of of automation, that there's going to be a 50-50 collaboration between me as a human being working with a machine. And, right. you know, often days, I think it's probably 80, 20 right now that, yeah. that 80, yeah. you know, that we're, we're so fixated to the machines, but, but it is, and we're going to have to learn how to not use the technology, but how to work with the technology. And there's a lot of people, a lot of people that are struggling with that because a lot of people were, were not digitally savvy. As we found last year when everybody said, oh, <laughs> you're going to work from home, take your laptop and work from home. And then it goes, well, how do I connect to the internet? Or, exactly. or how do I download this app? Or how do I get on Zoom? Or how do I fix my audio? Or how do I get my webcam to work? And you became not only the parent, you became the caregiver, the parent, the teacher, the worker, the employee, and the IT staff. And the IT staff, <laughs> exactly. And what do you mean I need to turn off my camera before I decide to, you know, use the restroom or... I just heard that somebody, uh, and I can't remember what company, but just last week I heard that some VP of something didn't realize he had his camera on Zoom and was taking a bath. Oh. Oh, well, yeah, well, we we always, yeah, we won't go into some of the other incidents that we've heard of of people not, not recognizing that. Yeah. And that's when, yeah, you don't need to know a lot of tech. You just need to know some things that are just common sense. (laughs) And the other big thing that's going to come and you sort of introduced this early on was about the fact is where remote work is going to be a thing. I mean, it's not going away. Absolutely. You know, yes, yeah, so it's going to be rolled back a little bit. Currently, there's over 40% of the people that of the employees that work remotely. They're talking about it'll probably be rolled back to 20%. We'll be mm-hmm. full-time remote, and then we're going to have hybrid. Yep. And yep. But there was just a study by um, it was it was on Statista, which is uh, an organization that just shares data all the time uh, in, a, in a user-friendly way. But it, it came out that, and I, I apologize to the, the source of it, but they said that 65% of workers, of remote workers want to stay remote. Yes, It, it was, was a fairly saying. large survey. 65% of remote workers want to stay remote. And or another 33% or 32% want to be hybrid. Yeah. So it only left like 2%. My math might be a little off there, but it left like <laughs> 2 or 3% that want to go back to the way it was. Yeah. So now you have all these people that went home and now company organizations, you know, some are saying we're going to be fully remote. Most are probably going to be hybrid. And now you start thinking about managers. You're talking about leadership. Okay. Yeah. You talk about managers 
and leaders were not very good before. Uh, they had successful companies, but not everyone was very good, considering that, according to Gallup, 30% or more, or 30% or less of the people were fully engaged. 70% were, were partially or, or, or fully disengaged at work. And that's been pretty static for the last uh, 25 years or more that Gallup's been doing that survey. It's gone up and down a little bit, but it's always been two thirds or more of the workforce is disengaged. So if it wasn't good when they were under your nose and you can micromanage them and you can see that you, you thought you had to see what they're doing. Yeah. What's going to happen now that the remote, and we already heard that. So, you know, there's a lot of technology that's been used with, with Slack and zoom and, and, uh, and, you know, it's like, Hey, can we monitor? Can we, can we check that they're sitting at their desk at that time? And, and could we capture every keystroke that they do? That's craziness. I mean, that's just insane. Um, that's yeah. not leadership. You know, that's, that's, that's bureaucracy and micromanagement and, and just, just yeah, you have yeah. to get it out of that mindset. Yeah, but yeah. it's also beyond, it's not like, okay, we're going to, you can work from home Fridays. Well, that's not how it's going to work. It's going to work that some people are going to choose to say, well, I don't need to come in on four days a week. I want to work too. So you have some people coming in Monday and Wednesday. You have other people coming in Tuesday and Thursday. So even when you're at work, you're still going to have, now you have to manage people who are on site and manage people who are remote. And it's always fluid. It may not even be on the same schedule all the time. Exactly. Uh, and then how do you bring in new people onto the team? Uh, it's, it's going to, it, we're going to, everybody's going to have to up their game. Everybody's going to have to up their game. The workers are going to have to up their game of how they work. Uh, and that's going to be a manager's responsibility to help them be okay. And managers going to have to do it. And, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, some of the skills that are needed. And ultimately it's about how creating a safe place, not only physically safe, but emotionally and socially safe uh, for people because I want to be part of this company, but I'm going to be working remote. So it creates a huge opportunity. You can hire anybody around anywhere in the world to fill those hard to fill jobs. The downside of that is, is how do you create that safe place that they feel part of a culture when they may not ever physically be in the same room uh, to, to know their people and people are struggling with that. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's a great uh, segue for us. We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor and we'll come back and dive more deeply into that issue. Imagine starting a long journey without a map or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion, but without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families. Find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey. Wayne Titus shows you how in his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being. With the right advisor at your side, you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you. Get The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being at Amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we're back with Ira Wolf. And I think uh, this is really the, you know, the meat of the issue for me this month is helping people to really grasp, you know, what they can control in terms of leadership, especially in an evolving world with so much remote. My entire team is remote. I actually have an entire team based in Kenya. 
And so, you know, we have all those, those elements times 10. And to your point, you know, one of the exciting things to me is that as a global being, we realize we can take work with people anywhere, but it takes extra time and effort to be a leader, to not only motivate each person, motivate the team, get the team to feel like a team, to get people to be able to develop in their skill set. And, uh, you know, I've been having a lot of fun with it. We've found some things that we've done right. I found some things we've done wrong. Um, we're continuing to evolve. But, you know, what are your thoughts? How can leaders who are listening right now, especially who are facing this situation, especially in this hybrid environment, because I think to your point, that's even like if your whole team is remote, that's one thing you can work in that mindset. If they're all right in the same room with you, that's another. But this hybrid is really going to tax people because if you're not there, you might be seen as not participating, you know, so the employee is going to feel a certain element, the leader's in a certain spot. So, you know, what are your suggestions? What are your thoughts for helping us all to navigate this hybrid world and make it a safe place for people? It's a challenging question with a somewhat simple answer. And then we can dig into it because it's not really simple is that everybody needs to become more adaptable. And by adaptable, I don't just mean flexible, is we are literally making, writing the rules as we go on. We don't know. Uh, What we do know is that there will be uh, some form of hybrid workplace. Does anybody have it figured out yet? Absolutely not. Are the companies that are saying they're gonna be 100% remote going to remain 100% remote? Probably not. There's probably going to be some people that actually go to a, an office or they meet on, on a regular basis, wherever that is, whether they meet in Starbucks or, or a corporate mm-hmm. office. And will there be some that are that do remain 100% remote? Sure. But most people are going to be hybrid and there's going to be a lot more flexibility, you know, whether it used to be called telecommuting. Uh, yeah. now, now it's the remote workforce. But the skill that everybody's going to need is to become adaptable. And, and we, I spend my passion project for the last year and a half has been on, on adaptability, even before business, what the book is about as well. So it's beyond recruiting, although the title says recruiting. It's about <laughs> the age of Googleization. And the first 130 pages have nothing to do with recruiting. It was about the world we were going to live in that I was, everybody was projecting 2025, 2030. And then all of a sudden in 2020, here's the world we live in. Uh, yeah. you, know, vol, you know, we call it VUCA volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So ah. the VUCA is the acronym, which has been around for, I didn't come up with that, but it's been around for about 30 years. Uh, and I, I don't know a better acronym to describe what what uh, what the 2020 was. Volatile, <laughs> uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And no that kidding. is the world we're going to live in going forward. So how do we manage that? How do we get comfortable with that? And we're not just talking leadership because leadership's ability is how do you how do you create that safe place? How do you allow the frontline worker earning a minimum wage to be okay with change, yeah. become more comfortable? They don't have to like it, but they have to be more comfortable. So we work with something called the adaptability quotient. And the adaptability quotient, a lot of research went into it, and they identified 15 dimensions that help people, that impact someone's ability, well, their ability to change. Some of it's our internal abilities. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's skills that we need to have. Some of it has to do with our character, our personality mm-hmm. of how we approach it. So, you know, an extrovert loves to go out and talk to people about it. We think out, extroverts talk out loud. I don't want to say we, because I'm, a, I'm actually an introvert, uh, believe it or not. So extroverts like to think out loud. Introverts like to think through the process themselves first before they 
enter a communication. So it doesn't mean you're good or bad, doesn't mean you can't be successful at it, but it does mean that you approach change differently. But we right. learned with those five abilities, there's five characteristics, and then there's five elements of a company culture. So again, as leaders, you have to create does the company itself, do the end of the employees feel that they're safe in the company? Are you providing the right benefits, the right environment, the right support, the right, you know, are you helping people set up a home office rather than mm-hmm. just send them home and go figure it out on your own? That's your responsibility. Right. Um, there's emotional support. Do they have that? And, and again, people are struggling, whatever it is, they're juggling all these balls in the air. Do they feel they have support from their teammate, which could be different? Because I can right. get maybe support from my boss but, or, or somebody on the team, but I'm not getting it universally. And then it also had to do is, is the job itself stressful? I mean, you can love working for your healthcare system, but I got to tell you, nurses are stressed out. Healthcare right. workers are, are completely stressed out. So they may love the support and may love what they do, but the, the, the job itself. So how do you not make the environment stressful? So right. do they have the supplies? Do they have the, the mechanisms? Do they have, you know, can they take a day off? Do they feel they have, have the support? So there's this, all those elements, but the most important ones that we can change, we as an individual can change. There were five pillars, five dimensions. One was grit, which we hear a lot about. Uh, another is resilience, mm-hmm. mental flexibility, mm. growth mindset, and unlearning. And I'll quickly walk through those. Um, And then people want information, certainly reach out to me. So grit is, is, we hear a lot about that, especially from Angela Duckworth. And it talks about, do we have the endurance, the perseverance, that fortitude? And grit, as she describes it, is about passion. Are the people aligned with the work? Do they feel that I'm willing to do it because I'm passionate about what I do? Uh, And you and I don't have a problem with that. That's why we do. That's why we chose the things we did. And we changed careers because we were losing the passion. We changed some of those jobs. We still had, we still had endurance. We were going to run across the finish line, but it got harder and harder. And when you lose that passion. So grit is really having passion and perseverance. Resilience is we're going to keep getting knocked down, whether Mm -hmm. it's climate change, whether it's another, hopefully not another pandemic, but you know, another variant, another regulation, a terrorist attack, whatever it is, there's going to be a million things that happen and some good things that could happen. Some new opportunities that may pop up and, and resilience is how do we bounce back up? The problem when people focus on grit and resilience, which there is a tremendous amount on that, it just means you survive. It means you keep going. The environment's changing, but you keep going. It's that SWAT vehicle that breaks through the brick wall. But on the other side, there's a whole new environment. And Mm -hmm. and it just means you can take the bullets, but it doesn't help you improve. Resilience is bouncing back, but resilience doesn't help you improve. It just helps you keep going. So how do you grow? How do you help people grow and learn? And one of those is growth mindset. A lot written about that by Carol Dweck, uh, D-W-E-C-K. And, you know, I was afflicted with fixed mindset for years. And it was about, you know, I'm top of my class. I was a good student. I was an athlete, you know, went to professional school, became a dentist, you know, really had, and people would say, well, you start to think is, well, I can't do something because it'll make me look stupid. As a leader, I can't try that because what happens if it fails? If I said, I'm going to go back to school to learn, to improve my emotional intelligence. Well, what are we paying for you? You're supposed to have that now. We shouldn't have to pay you to grow 
you know, yeah. then we don't have to pay you as much because you're not <laughs> as good as you said you were. Right, so exactly. that fixed mindset, people got stuck in that, but we need to have this growth mindset that we're all going to make mistakes and we're going to continue learning. Um, yep. The mental flexibility is interesting because it's the ability, this is a, a, a challenging, it's not impossible to learn, but it is probably the more, most of the most challenging uh, because it's how do we juggle two opposing thoughts in our head at the same time? How do we deal with paradox? How do we turn on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News? <laughs> and don't go crazy, don't go ballistic, don't start yelling at the TV, um, but saying, I, I don't agree what they said, but I can see their point. Right. And when you think about diversity and inclusion and racial justice, uh, pay equity, gender equity, uh, you think about all the issues that are going on right now, and you hear these two choices. It's A or B. And it's neither. We, we need to take what side A says and side B, whether it's whites and blacks uh, or straight and gay, um, whatever it is, is they both ha have their belief, both have belief systems. How do we take both of them and help make sense of that? In order to have empathy, you need to be yeah. able to step in other people's shoes. In order Absolutely. to do that, you have to be able to see the world from somebody else's point of view. So you need mental flexibility. And then the final one is where everybody's gonna to have to do this one. It's unlearning. Yeah. How do we unlearn the behaviors that got us where we are, but aren't gonna work anymore? And right. you know, you, we hear this all the time. Uh, I see this resumes. I think, you know, going through this interview is stupid. Taking this test is stupid because we have, uh, you know, I've got 30 years of experience doing this. Yeah. Okay. My that's why we're not speak for itself. Yeah. That's why we're not interested. Yeah, you have yeah. 30 years of one day experiences. Um, you know, how did you grow? How are you going to change? How, how can you take what you learned and put it into the future? So the, the five abilities are really things that individuals are going to have to learn, but leaders, I mean, the yeah. biggest challenge ahead is, again, going back to how do you help create a safe space? And by safe, it, it ultimately is, how do you help people get the courage to try something new, to unlearn something old? And when you help people take that first step, they become more confident. And when they're more confident, then all of a sudden the world seems a little brighter. They right. can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So we, we talk about leaders are going to have to help people build the courage to gain the confidence. And by doing so, they will become more optimistic and hopeful about the future. So the threat of, of, a, of a computer, of a machine, of a robot, it no longer becomes a threat. It becomes an opportunity. And that's a challenge. And, and by doing that, you create a safe space. And again, whether it's to become more diverse and inclusive, whether it's become more empathetic, whether it's to grow or whether it's become more innovative, the adaptability really goes across all the disciplines that we're talking about, yet people still treat it functionally. Yeah. People still focus on, okay, how do we make remote work work? Let's create all the rules and policies to do that. Right. Instead of thinking about what this means to be a new and evolving leader in a new and dynamic environment. Um, Ira, I think it's fantastic. I took a lot of notes and I really, you know, at the heart of it, one of the things that you've said over and over again, 
I think it's really important as a take home is the sense of, you know, creating a safe space and safe to do your job, to feel confident, to feel comfortable, to feel like you can get your, you know, all your needs met um, from a simple thing as, you know, do you have your office set up the right way? You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know, for a long time, have been making do on their kitchen tables or, you know, you know, one part ironing of their board closets. Yeah, ironing <laughs> board, exactly. Wherever, wherever you need, it, I get it. But I think it's really important that we think about all of those elements as we move forward to give our teams better opportunity to exceed in a hybrid environment or, or the times that they're remote, because that will not only make them do their job better, but they will feel really a part of an organization and, and seen and heard by their leader. So Excellent information. I know, um, gosh, we could keep talking about it forever. I love it. I know we're going to have all your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, what's the best way for them to find you? Well, you certainly, you can type in my name into Google. I show up uh, most places. So Ira Wolf, um, but my website, my personal website, IraWolf.com. My business website is successperformancesolutions.com. I got a very active blog and podcast there. So, uh, and from there you can many, many ways to reach me. I think I'm going to have to listen to geeks, geezers and uh, Googleization. If I remember that's your name of your podcast. I love it. <laughs> it well, before we go, Ira, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Well, speaking of podcasts, I close my podcast every week, which happened to be, this happened to be the original title of my book. And now it's the subtitle was don't let the shift hit your plans. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, I like it a lot. Excellent. Ira, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I Ditto. It's absolutely, it's been fun. We could talk for a long time. Stay safe, Bye. everyone. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.